listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, and guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener-submitted emails. I will read the questions and Eric will try to answer them. That's right. We've got a lot of good questions and comments. Uh, a nice email about Gibson P13 pickups. Uh, we've got questions about guitar wiring. Questions about uh, nut slots. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. We'll we'll get into all of that. So what's on your bench, Mr. Daw? On my bench currently, there's a lot of things, but the two things that I'll mention... Uh, a gentleman contacted me from Texas, and he was out in his father's barn and found a 1950 Esquire, a 1950 Fender Esquire. Was he dreaming? Well, how would you like for that to happen to you? That would be pretty yeah. flippin' awesome. Bro. Pretty sweet. You know, in excellent <clears throat> condition, that's a $30,000 guitar in, in great condition. Unfortunately, this one had been sitting in the barn for the last 50 years in Texas. The paint basically just fell off of the thing. And it's it's it it's been hot and cold and wet and dry, you know, over 50 seasons. Right. And there's hardly anything left of it. The the hardware is rusted like crazy and the the paint just fell off the neck. There was I mean, literally, 95% of the paint just fell off the neck. Wow. It has big cracks in it. The skunk stripe is coming out. The neck is warped two different directions, so it, it has a hump in it, but it's also warped sideways. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, the amazing thing about this guitar, it's a 1950 Fender Esquire. It, with the exception of the paint, uh-huh. everything is there. The, nothing's been changed on the guitar. The wiring's original. The pickup's there. The tuners are there. The rare tuners because it's an early Fender. So, wow. you know, they changed the Klusen tuners on those guitars. Changed uh, every few years or so. But aren't they probably rusted beyond all they're recognition? Ve- they're very rusted, but I think they're still going to function. Cool. Yeah, I think all the parts are still going to function. I think I can clean them all up and they'll all be usable. 
So Texas but, guy sent this guitar to you to restore, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to restore it. The body, uh, in the 50s, the body was stripped and painted white with what looks like latex house paint. Oh, dear. And it stayed on because it's not brittle like like lacquer right. is. Yeah. So it's a bummer that it was refinished, but if it were the original finish, the finish just would have fallen off like it did on the neck. Right. And that latex paint probably actually saved that body from uh, splitting. Huh. Well, that's cool, I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately, the neck split because the paint has been gone for so long, so it's got multiple cracks and warps. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'll probably have to refret it. But it's, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We're going to see how well it, it uh, cooperates, but uh, that's going to be fun. Cool. That's That's my next few months there, restoring that that's a, I barn mean, find. Literally a barn find. It was yeah. out on his barn. And it's a 1950 Esquire, right? A, a so very early. In fact... That's the earliest most, year they made yeah, them, right? Well, yeah. In, in fact, most uh, resources that you read will say they that they didn't make any Esquires in 1950. They made three that I'm aware of. Wow. Uh, there's two of them in the Blackguard book. And, right, and then this one that I, that I have. So until like whatever last week or whatever, you did not know that this guitar could even exist. Yeah, that yeah, is so a, cool. Yeah, it's a very early, very early. It's basically a single pickup broadcaster. That is so cool. Yeah, very early guitar. It sucks yeah. that somebody left it in the barn for fifty years. Yeah, uh, but that's the brakes. Once I get done with it, it should be a very nice restored broadcaster. Yeah. You know, we'll see how it goes. I, I have very high hopes because everything's there, and I, I'm confident I can straighten out the neck and make it happen. It's going to cool. be fun. It's going to be a fun project. That's awesome. The other thing I've been working on is a, I just, I'm in the middle of a neck reset on a 1957 Gretsch Country Club, big sunburst, two pickup single cutaway arch top uh-huh. you know beautiful guitar the craftsmanship and well go to my instagram and check out my last couple of pictures of that uh, neck joint i got the neck off i'm really not surprised anymore by anything i find on a vintage gretch their craftsmanship sometimes was uh well it was a little questionable sometimes i mean that's just how i feel about it yeah you know, people people put harmony down, but you would never see this neck joint on a harmony. Well, what was wrong with it? Oh, well, uh, it had giant shims, and the dovetail isn't even dovetail-shaped. It has, like, an extra notch out of it. It's just a bizarre... I don't, even, I don't know what they were doing. It's like they uh, Is it- just cobbled these neck joints together one guitar at a time. It's very weird. Well, and that seems like it'd be harder than to just do it right and every time. To have time. it standardized? Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Yeah, if you check out my Instagram, you can see pictures of the neck joint there. It's at Eric Daw Custom Guitars. Cool. Yeah. Anyhow, that's what's on my bench, among other things. Not a ton of questions today, so I dusted off something that I wrote a while ago, and uh, we're going to read this. This is called 
This is you know initially I was going to try to pass this off as somebody else's work. I was going to say, "Oh, I found this on the internet." You know, Joe Blow wrote this, but <laughs> okay, I'm going to admit I wrote this. Okay. And this is called "Things Not to Say to Your Guitar Tech." My guitar needs new pods. <laughs> there are no pods on a guitar. The correct term is pots, short for potentiometer. If your pots are crackling when you turn them, they probably don't need to be replaced either. Most of the time, this can be remedied by flushing the pots out with an electronic cleaning solution. I don't hear it much anymore, but I used to hear that all the time. Hey, man, my my guitar needs new pods. It always makes me laugh. Like alien pods? Yeah, it makes always makes me think of like something like Roswell kind of. I don't know what's going on. What, <laughs> my guitar needs new pods, man. And now it makes me think of those weird coffee pods. Oh, yeah. What yeah. are those, Keurig, Keurig uh, pods? K-cups. Okay. What is that all about? <laughs> Can we complicate coffee, please? Yeah. Bridge nut. Yeah. What are we talking about here? If you're talking about a piece that the string rests on at the bridge, it's called a saddle. The one at the headstock is called the nut. There is no bridge nut. Maybe in the 1900s, somebody called the saddle a bridge nut, but it's really not a term we use anymore. Yeah, I think I saw it once in a book from the 60s, but yeah, nobody says bridge nut. Come on. I like you, how you say in the 1900s, like yeah, it was a yeah. long time ago. And way back in the 1900s. <laughs> like, what are you, from the 1900s? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of commentary on this. Do you want me to read a few? Sure. Poor Melissa, she's coming down with a sore throat. I know, here, so sorry. If I I'm going to try to bail her out on the reading. Next, my guitar needs new pegs. Pegs. I need some pegs, you know, pegs. I've heard this term used to describe almost everything on a guitar. Tuners, tuner buttons, strap buttons, bridge pins. If you call me and tell me that your guitar needs new pegs, I assume you have no idea what you're talking about. There you go. Yeah. That makes sense. Indeed. Next. Before you go on. Yes. One time I was at Emerald City and everybody was busy and the phone was ringing. So I, I answered it. And yeah. the guy that, that that was on the phone asked for a sidewinder. And I was like, well, I, I just have no idea what that is. So I gave the phone to Eric, of course. Do you remember what he was asking about? No. He wanted one of those uh, uh, tuner, the... Yeah. Yeah. What are they called? Well, they call them peg winders. Yeah. They're side winders. Yeah. But I was, I thought I was the one being dumb, but I wasn't. Well, <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead. You want to do the next one? Sure. My guitar has intonation problems. It's buzzing in the upper notes. Intonation. It's the right word, but used incorrectly. Don't use the word intonation if you have no idea what it means. If your guitar is buzzing, it doesn't have intonation problems. If your guitar is fretting out somewhere, there might be a number of things causing that, but an intonation problem is not one of them. Intonation is the adjustment of the string length at the bridge or saddle to correct the pitch of the notes as you play up and down the neck. Intonation is only relevant to correcting pitch. It has nothing to do with the tone or sound of your strings or guitar. I feel like intonation is such a mysterious concept, like that the layman just would use it for anything that's happening on the guitar that he doesn't yeah. know what it is. You know, That's right. And yeah. that's what happens. People will say, 
what they mean is my guitar sounds funny, but they'll say, yeah, I think my intonation's off. Right. Because they want to sound like they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Little do they know. Uh, here's the next one. I don't want a full setup, just a few adjustments. Mm-hmm. When I hear people say this, I hear, I don't want to pay for a full setup, but I want you to do a setup on it and we'll call it doing some adjustments. Yep. If your guitar hasn't been set up for a while, for several months, it is just time to do it again. Do these sound real snarky? I don't mean to sound snarky. You got some sand in your craw, sir. Well, you know, there's these things we read, we find them on the internet, and it's some guy complaining in a I know, it's not vacuum. funny unless it's... Unless it's snarky. I know. We really live in a in a post-ironic. Yeah. Sarcastic. Yeah. Cynicism. It's too bad. It's too bad. Yeah. The hum goes away when I touch the strings. I know this already. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's it. Next one. Don't take the neck off my fender. I don't want you to disturb the mojo. Oh, yeah, the magic that gets out mm-hmm. when you... There's magic smoke in the neck pocket. It's and like, if you take the neck off, yep. that magic smoke gets out, and then your whole mojo is not going to work right. anymore. It's like Pandora's box. That's right. You you're ain't gonna getting need, it back in there. Right. You're going to need a whole new mojo hand. You're going to need John the Conqueror root. <laughs> you're going to need some chicken feathers. Uh... It oh, won't. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Start again. Uh, don't take the neck off my fender. I don't want you to disturb the mojo. It won't. On an old style fender where the truss rod adjustment is at the butt end of the neck, the only way I can adjust the truss rod is to take the neck off. And I'm going to need to adjust the truss rod if I have to set up or refret or do a fret level on your guitar. It's okay. I won't let the magic juju out of your guitar when I remove it. I was. It was designed to be serviceable, and it's okay to take the neck off to adjust it. Besides, if you don't trust your guitar doctor with something as simple as taking the neck off a bolt-on guitar, how can you trust him with actual serious work? It's true. Boy, I was. I must have been in a bad mood when I wrote this. It's not that bad. It's just silly. It's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. These these are things that don't actually happen that often. Almost never. It's just that we need material for this dying podcast, and so I came. I pulled, I dusted off this old because nobody's writing in questions. By the way, if you want to write in some questions, we'd love it. Next, can I borrow your insert name of tool here? No, this is like parking your car in the parking lot of Jiffy Lube and starting to change your oil, then asking the guys who work there if you can borrow some wrenches. My tools are for me to use. <laughs> If you want to work on your own guitars, you're going to need your own fret files, truss rod wrenches, nut files, etc. Respect your luthier. There you go. Luthier. Luthier. I hate that word. Anyhow, <clears throat> that's it for the uh, silly thing I wrote that somebody else wrote that I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to claim that somebody else wrote that. Okay. Anyhow. I wrote it. Yeah, we don't have any calls. If you want to... The, call and leave a message for the show. We'd love to use your question or comment as part of the show. You can do that by calling 757-774-8482. Or if you want to email, go to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link and submit your question or comment there. Shall we uh, read some letters? Yeah. All righty then. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, Eric. 
catching up on episodes over here and heard you mention the Gibson made P13 pickup. I know a little about these pickups and I thought I might share what I know with you and the listeners. All right. Most early electric guitar pickup designs that sounded any good were huge due to the size of the magnets until the 1930s when Alnico was invented. Alnico, as I'm sure you know, stands for aluminum, nickel, and cobalt. Mm-hmm. This alloy could be used to make small but very powerful permanent magnets and pave the way to the electric guitar boom almost like it was planned that way. Uh, Gibson did away with their earlier pickup designs, and a gentleman by the name of Walt Fuller came up with a P13 design for Gibson. By using the newly available Alnico magnets, everything was housed neatly under a compact rectangular metal cover with a height adjustment and mounting screw at each end. Early ones had no adjustable pole pieces, which led to the later version, which had a flathead which had flathead exposed pole pieces much like the P90. The bobbin was made of thick paper and was taller than the P90 bobbin. Underneath the bobbin were two Alnico bars, which which the steel pole pieces passed between them, giving them their magnetic charge. P13 pickups tend to be 6.5K or above, which suggests Gibson graduated to a thinner magnet wire than the 38 what does AWG stand for? You just say AWG. Oh. Well, it stands for American Wire Gauge, actually, since you asked. But, yeah, they okay. used a thinner magnet wire than the 38 AWG. Used in earlier pickups. My guess is that they were using 42 AWG wire, but I may be wrong on that one. These P13s were later fitted to some Harmony and Silvertone guitars, and they sound fantastic. As to whether Gibson had extra stock and offered them to Harmony, or whether Harmony specifically ordered them, I don't know. But I assume that Gibson had extra stock and offered them to Harmony, because by the time they show up on Harmony guitars, Gibson was using the newly invented P90, which is really just a later version of the pickup, as the construction of the P90 and the P13 was almost identical. Mm -hmm. Hope this helps. Love the show, James. That's awesome, James. Thank you for the awesome little uh, P13, P90 history there. Yeah, I didn't that was know. Cool. I've never heard this name, Walt Fuller. He must have been a Gibson employee. Yeah. That's great. And uh, I mentioned a few ep- episodes ago that I, I've never seen a Gibson with the P13, but I take that back. I absolutely have. I just forgot, I guess. You know, when you see them, they look a lot. They look so much like a a P ninety that you go, "Oh, look, an, er, an early P 90 But it's not. It's a P thirteen. Uh, so Gibson, they definitely were used on early Gibson ES guitars, but uh, they, you know, not for very long. It pretty quickly gave way to the new P ninety design when once they once they designed those. Mm. James, thanks so much for writing that in. That was awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I love it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you participate in the show. Yes, indeed. Melissa, how can I condition a leather strap in order to keep it soft and pliable? Any particular products? Thanks. Crash. Oh, that's my buddy Crash. Yeah. Um, I usually just use mink oil or Nate's foot oil. Um, And I don't, I wouldn't recommend conditioning super often on a, well, he just says it's a leather strap. He doesn't say if it's a guitar strap or not. You know, I've bought a lot of leather straps over the years and they're really stiff at first yeah and i assume it's because it's kind of cheap leather but is there a way to well um yeah condition it and then just play with it mess with it you know you're gonna 
if you condition it first, okay, let me start over. If you start bending that leather before you condition it, it actually breaks the, uh, what are they called? The the fibers. The fibers in, in the leather. Because I've had a lot of straps that they like, they crack. Yeah. And that's, that's why, right. I guess, huh? Yeah. So if you condition it, if it's really stiff, you condition it, let that soak in 24 hours at least. Condition it. And then the next day, kind of bend it. And that will help the fibers to stretch and flex mm-hmm. around each other. I have a lot of um, leather products that I use on my boots mm-hmm. something like that yeah any any of that would work like saddle um, soap yeah well saddle soap isn't really a conditioner it's more of a cleaner and oh really and polisher yeah oh um but yeah any type of mink oil oil is mink? is mink oil really a is I it silicone know. i don't know what it is to be honest they don't squeeze a mink over a bucket they do might they? Well, i don't know put a mink through a mop a ringer <laughs> Whatever um, comes out is just mink oil. Yeah. Do not use your cooking oil, though, because that will oh, eventually... It, yeah, it goes rancid. Yeah, it goes rancid and it will damage your leather. I mean, yeah. it'll it'll work for a while, but it will, it'll damage your leather eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, unless it's your leather is really dry or unless you spilled water on it or something, don't condition it more than once or twice a year. How often should you put it in the microwave? Never. Oh, I'm gonna say. I, well, I'm gonna was, say never. I was off on that. I thought maybe <laughs> once a month, a couple times a day. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Crash. Thank you, Crash. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more. Okay. Hi, Liz here from Emerald City Guitars, located in the heart of historic Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle, Washington. We are one of the world's premier vintage guitar shops going strong for over 22 years. Specializing in the most rare, the funkiest, and most collectible vintage and pre-owned electric guitars, acoustic guitars, amplifiers, and more. We cater to anyone and everyone from the guy next door to collectors and famous rock stars. Not only do we pay top dollar for used gear, we also offer trade-ins and consignment. We also have in-house repair and offer free appraisals. We have a variety of social media accounts that we post our goods daily. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at EC Guitars. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and see our daily episodes of the featured Guitar Pick of the Day and Reality of Emerald City Guitars shows. Give us a call to chat in person at 206-382-0231 and visit our online store at www.emeraldcityguitars.com. As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. Visit melcoleather.com to seek examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email melcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O leather.com. 
you're a fan of the show, it has become obvious to you that I repair and restore guitars. I'm not a hobbyist. This is something I do full-time for a living, and I've done it for almost 25 years. If you have a guitar repair that you need help with, consider sending it to me. I get repairs from all over the country. People send me guitars from far and wide, from Hawaii to Alaska to Florida, and I would love to help you with your guitar. I know a lot of people live in an area where they don't really have a tech or a repair guy that they can trust, or maybe it's a really complicated repair or a really special guitar to you that you don't want to just trust anybody. You can send it to me. I promise you'll be satisfied with the results. I rewind pickups, I restore vintage guitars, I do refrets, broken headstocks, neck resets, you name it, if it's broken on a guitar, I pretty much fix it. So I'd love to help you out. You can go to my website to read more about me and to see a price chart. Go to ericdaw.com, that's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. And if you need more information, you can contact me through that website by clicking the contact link and send me a message there and I'll get back to you. Um, so thank you for listening and now back to the show. Eric and Melissa, I hope all is well in Idaho. Saw your Halloween costumes on the Facebook. Very cute. Now I know why Melissa was hand sewing a Western shirt on the Instagram. Yeah. I hope your boys did well trick or treating. We had pretty fun costumes this year. We did. We dressed up as characters from Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. So our, our boys were Buzz and Woody. And then I was Jessie, the yodeling cowgirl. Mm, and I was the I was the old prospector. Stinky Pete. That's right. And for the record, I was hot gluing Rick Rack onto a dress shirt. I wasn't yeah. sewing because I was in a hurry. Yeah, it wasn't too fancy. Yeah. But it, hey, it looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, if you want to see pictures, you can go to my Instagram, uh, at Malcoletta. Oh, are they on Instagram? Yeah, I have, oh, I have okay. one up on there. Yeah, cool. Question for the show. I have a solid body Gretsch Duo Jet, and it has two toggle type switches on the upper bout, a tone selector and a pickup selector. I am constantly bumping, bumping these out of position when I play, especially live. We perform in an energetic fashion. Yes. Indeed. Is there a way to lock these in place or anything I can do short of rewiring the guitar? I'd rather not rewire anything. Any advice would be great. Oh, yeah. If it matters, I'm always on the bridge pickup, and I like the bypass position on the tone selector. Thanks for the great show. We miss you here in Burien. Zach from Seattle. Hmm. Oh, thanks, Zach. Yeah. That's our buddy Zach in Seattle. He used to be our neighbor. Yeah. Then, then we moved away. Yeah, we moved to Idaho. We moved far away. Uh, I suppose you could set those where you want them and then loosen up the nut and just stick them inside the guitar. I thought you Gosh, were going to say seems super like a, glue it. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> super glue it, Zach. No, I'm just kidding. Uh... If if you really only use those settings, you could you could loosen up the nuts and then just put them inside the guitar. But that seems like a, I don't know. I don't really like that solution. I don't know. I don't. I can't really think of a good solution on that. That's yeah. Short of rewiring the guitar to move those switches down, down to where the you know knobs are. Gretsch, Gretsch was knob crazy. They really you know 
they really went overboard with the knobs and switches and it was like their their selling point like you know those other guitars Look are nice. Look at all these knobs we get. Those other guitars are nice, but clearly we have more knobs and switches. <laughs> and uh, you know that's going to make you sound better. So so when he says upper bout, that means like by the cutaway? Up above the neck pickup, up by your ch- on your chest. There's, well, there's he... two switches up there. Oh, with his other arm. Uh, with his, his third his, arm? His third arm. <laughs> with his strumming arm. Yes, with his strumming I arm. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're placed. They're really not placed well for the guitar player who plays in an energetic fashion. But you, uh, you know that's just how they are. I I wonder if you if you took the button off, you you know you could just unscrew the button. Oh yeah, and then um. I don't know, but then you're gonna hit. You're still gonna hit it, and right. then it's gonna cut your thumb open. Yeah, and then it's gonna be harder to switch back into position. Yeah. What you could do is get those little condiment cups you get at restaurants and just hot glue them. No. <laughs> over the switch. No. That's what you would do. Freak. Jeez. Sorry, Zach. I don't have a good solution for this other than, um, boy, I, I'm tempted to say, you know, you take the switch off, you take those switch tips. Now, this is not, this is a weird thing to do, but you asked, so here you go. You take the switch tip off, which Gretsch's have like a little metal switch tip. It's mm-hmm. not like a Gibson switch tip. It's not a plastic thing. It's a little metal cylinder. Right. Take that off. <clears throat> Take the switch out. Okay. Grind off most of the threads. So what you're left with is a little nub of a switch that you could still toggle back and forth, but it's very, very low profile now. Uh-huh. I don't know. This is probably a bad solution. Yeah. Hey, if and anybody has a solution. By the way, by the time you go through all that, you would have been better off to just move the switches. Right. Well, yeah, because to do that, you'd have to t- literally unwire. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to so, take out. Well, you'd have to take out this. You'd have to either drop it down, take it out of the F hole, or take it out of the neck pickup hole or something. Yeah. To get to it, to grind it off. Because you don't want to grind it off in the guitar. Or do you? You'd just take an angle grinder to it, Zach. <laughs> I'm spending way too much time on this question. I have no idea. I, it's It's a... I mean, I get it, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's an ergonomic. Perhaps a, you just a, need a new guitar, Zach. Well, <laughs> hey, he likes that guitar. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Zach. Okay, thanks, Zach. Hey, Eric and Melissa, how was Halloween? Hopefully spooktacular. Great. We got a lot of candy, and we didn't get poisoned even once. Not even once. That's They always talk about that, like, you're going to... When I was a kid, that was the big deal, like, you're... Have your candy x-rayed, because there's probably razor blades in it. <laughs> really? I don't think there's people putting razor blades in candy. Oh, well, I'm sure there's like, one, that's one guy did that, and he ruined yeah. it for everybody. There's, they're putting LSD in your candy. Like, really? Like, somebody is yeah. is going to spend their money on drugs to give to children. Yeah, that really? makes sense. I know. 
I guess it's possible. Well, the first time's always free. Anyhow, I don't know. <clears throat> Let's get back to the show. Yeah, Halloween was great. We had a great time. Eric, do you have any tricks for installing intonation screws for a tunomatic bridge that have those C-clips that keep the screws from falling out? Is it always a hassle attaching them? Have a great November. Cheers, Jonathan from Victoria, Canada. All right, Jonathan, good to hear from you. Mm-hmm. It is always a hassle. There's really, I don't have any secrets. I don't have any tips or tricks about about those. Um, you just have to take little, you know, tiny tools and take that C-clip off and uh, loosen the screw and take the saddle off and put the new screw on and then put the C-clip. There's, there's also, there's two kinds of those one has a little c-clip that goes over the screw and the other one has a little wire retainer that goes in there those are probably even worse those are those are tricky uh i've worked on guitars where those clips are missing and good luck getting replacement clips you know it's not really a guitar part you can order what i've done in the past if they're missing is i've just put springs in there put some really stout little springs in between the saddle and the wall of the bridge and that'll keep it into place cool yeah thanks jonathan hey eric and melissa big fan of the show and both of your respective trades thank you quick question eric when filing nut slots do you generally keep the slot straight as observed from the side or do you roll the slot back toward the direction of the tuner uh, I way back in the day, I was told to file the slots at an angle that bisects the headstock break angle and the fretboard plane, keeping the slots straight. It would be awesome to get your input on the subject. Many thanks in advance and keep up the great work. Rylan in the UK. Right on, Rylan. Thank you. Uh, it's not too complicated. You don't need to get all Euclidean on on it. You don't need to break out your slide rule. But it does need to be angled. So if you're looking down at, I guess I don't know. Like, so if you're looking at the side view of the string, uh-huh. as it passes through the nut, uh-huh. the slot should be angled down toward, toward the, the tuner. tuner. Okay, that makes sense. That keeps it from buzzing. If you have weird sitar sounds coming from your nut, it's because the slot isn't angled huh. properly. And it doesn't matter the the height of the angle i mean or the well the yeah s- it, deepness it, yeah it, it when you're when you're filing the slot it should be pretty obvious to you you know you can't you can't angle the file too steep because then you're going to be bumping into the headstock as you try to file it right. right so yeah you angle it towards the tuner um it's 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 pretty obvious once you've done it a few times. Uh, but, yeah, it, it needs to be angled. <clears throat> you know, obviously it needs to be the right depth and the right width. But, yeah, it they have to be angled down towards the tuner. Huh. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Hey, Eric and Melissa. Sorry for my delay in responding, and thanks for reading my email out on the podcast. My wife was dozing off late one night in bed when I heard you read about my question, and I yelped in excitement. 
Needless to say, she was quite annoyed at being woken up in this manner, but was also quite excited when she realized the reason. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, both you and subsequent contributors have made great suggestions regarding my bulky end pin and jack socket problem. I have tried both the rubber beer cap type locks and a Diodario cinch fit, but the diameter of the barrel of my jack socket is still too large, even at, even at its thinnest point. Hmm. I decided to look at the problem from another angle, and I am pleased to report that I've managed to solve it. I managed to find a source for one of these bad boys. And he supplies a link to Stuart McDonald's. Uh, it's a little strap-secure screw-on end pin that screws onto the jack. Oh, mm -hmm. cool. Yep. Uh, I've used it to replace my existing jack socket and now can use the rubber beer cap locks to keep my strap on securely. Perfect. Thanks, as always, for the excellent podcast, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it very much. That's great. Always always happy to hear a, uh, a good follow-up, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, that does it for this episode. I think we're going to be doing a... I think we're going to be doing an interview next episode so watch out for that i say that because i want i'm going to force myself to do it i've got an interview all lined up i've had an interview lined up for two months we just haven't set a time and done it so next episode interview with henry cooper and henry is one of the uh he is a blues guitar player in the pacific northwest and he is i would call him a mentor of mine no, I learned a well. I learned a lot about guitars and about playing, and just the uh, uh, just the general approach to the guitar. Uh, I learned from from Henry a lot of it. I learned a lot of it from Henry, and I, he's got a few tips and tricks that he's told me over the years. That it's not going to be a super technical episode. It's going to be a little bit more of a player's perspective episode, but it's going to be, uh, I'm sure, a great interview. Yeah, Henry's really cool, too. He's yeah. just a nice guy. And he has a new CD out. Oh, yeah. And so that's that's why it's time to interview him, because I also want to promote that CD, help him promote that CD. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, watch out for that next episode. Hey, the other thing I wanted to mention yeah. is this. The Fredboard Journal... I should have mentioned this at the top of the show. I'm such a knucklehead. The Fretboard Journal is starting another podcast. Oh. And it's much like this one, except it's about amplifiers. Oh, cool. Yes, Skip Simmons, who is a tube amp guru, probably the tube amp guru. Uh, Skip Simmons, who's a California tube amp guitar repair guy and amp builder i don't know if yeah he does he has built amps but mostly he just does mods and repairs he did an interview with the fretboard journal on their fretboard journal podcast and it was great it was such a great episode that jason verlindy over at the fretboard journal decided to launch an a whole new podcast just for skip and what you do is you send in questions much like this podcast Send in questions about uh, tube amps in general, and Skip and Jason will talk about it on their podcast. And it's going to be called The Truth About Tube Amps. 
with Skip Simmons. I think that's... If it's not that, it's something very close to that. Cool. So make your way over to fretboardjournal.com and check that out. Sweet. Give, give that a listen. Absolutely. Anyhow, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you like this podcast, send us a question, because we seem to be running out of material. Bah. It just... It ebbs and wanes. Yeah. It waxes and wanes. But it's always good to have a a nice backstock of questions to go through. We burned through it. I I had the backstock. Right. It's gone now. So dust off your old computer and uh, send in a question. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks, Melissa, my lovely co-host. You're welcome. And we will see you next episode.